Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. everyone welcome to wandering dms i'm paul and i'm dan and on this episode of wandering dms uh, paul and i are going to be talking about how DD is good for you in the rest of your life even when you're not actively playing um and of course paul uh we were fortunate enough to have a special guest last week uh, mr ethan gilsdorf who is author of uh, fantasy freaks and gaming geeks and he has a, a tedx talk that's gotten many many views on kind of the same subject on why is DD good for you uh, in real life and we felt like we wanted to talk more about that, and so did our viewers, actually. We got several comments about that, and it's something that's been on my mind for ever. Mm. Uh, so I have, a pretty deep, I have a pretty deep list of, of things that I feel I could, I could um, reference that. So, uh, yeah, so we wanted to talk more about that today. Of course, uh, don't forget that we're brought to you with the help of our sponsors at Describe.com with a special offer for viewers, but more of that on the, on the end of the show. Great, awesome. So, uh, why D and D is good for you? The interesting thing here is, um, I, I, the first thing that I thought of when we brought up this this topic is that I remember um, twenty plus years ago being in college, and um, uh, my my girlfriend at the time, wife now, uh, was uh, studying psychology and um, and uh, wrote a paper about the psychological impact of role playing games and and. I think the major thesis was that, like, it's actually really beneficial. Um, now, now, this is really yeah. interesting because, you know, uh, 30, you know, you go back 20, 30 years, there was a really big question mark yeah. on this issue. Uh, there were, you know, in what many people now call the satanic panic, there are many people arguing the opposite in popular culture. And I think I remember an article, I think, in Psychology Today 30 years ago that, would you know, came from a starting point of, like, the starting default is that it, everybody agrees that it's dangerous. It's, it's, is it not? So the odd thing I remember from back in the 80s uh, when talking to people about role-playing games, especially uh, folks who were just totally disconnected and didn't know what it was, like often the assumption when they heard that term role-play, the first thing that would come to mind is the, the therapeutical technique, right? Like, oh, like psychiatrists use to treat people, right? Yeah. Like so yeah. clearly uh it's a tool for I don't know uh, improving your your mental emotional health. How could that be bad? <laughs> so let me let me let me just for a moment let me pop up to a slightly higher level on this because of course technically the title of the show today is how D&D is good for you. Excellent. And so um I taped a uh, I taped with the uh, reinvited Brooklyn based artist Isabel Garbani this morning I taped a breakfast briefing on as I talked myself through getting prepared for the show, and that will be available for uh, patrons on patreon.com. And, you know, so obviously we use the, 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 the trademark D&D as iconic of something, mm. and there's a little bit of a question about when you say, well, how is D&D good for you, what you're using that to symbolize? Because you took it, and actually this is how I started off the breakfast briefing is exactly what you just said, Paul, mm. of that it's iconic of 
role playing in general, maybe not games. And Isabel actually took it to be emblematic of games in general, including board games and video games, and didn't actually think about the role playing aspect as the first thing to come to mind. Interesting. So, interesting. yeah, so it's interesting that maybe you and I are going to assume that we're talking about role playing games in general, but maybe you're talking role playing in general, not with games, and maybe you're talking games in general, not with role playing or some kind of mis- some kind of other mixture there. But it seems so like we're definitely. That- we're definitely not talking about D&D explicitly and why that's better for you than, say, uh, another role-playing game system. That wasn't my, that wasn't my instinct. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah. even for me, who's like a huge, hardcore D&D zombie, that wasn't my first instinct either. I, yeah. I assumed we were talking role-playing games in general, but, Great. Great. but primarily D&D. I mean, you yeah. know, weapons and AC and weapon AC adjustments yeah. and things like that that, that, are, that are known primarily in, in D&D. Okay, great. <laughs> so unfortunately, D&D has one of those problems that's like uh, like rollerblading, right? Where that's like, uh, that's actually the name of a brand and right. really you're inline skating. Like, right. yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Well, right. just accept the Good fact point. that D&D has become a placeholder for all role-playing games. Yeah. yeah. But let's assume that you and I, the, yeah. so, so my instinct was exactly the same as yours, Paul, and I also uh, mentioned, you know, it also came to mind role-playing before it was used for gaming and in... Um, uh, thera- therapeutic circles and things like that. So that yeah. was also my instinct. So maybe that's maybe that's the, the the presumed default ground for us. I mean, it's not like the two things are totally disjoint, right? I mean, role playing in a therapeutic sense and then what we do at the D and D table have a fair number of similarities. I wouldn't, you know, there was a time when I probably would have resisted that, but yeah. you're right. And having having made my list of benefits. Uh, I think, as you pointed out, out pre-show, there's a lot of overlap, and I've seen—I think I've seen more than one person on Twitter uh, put out the joke. Uh, you know, my D and D sessions are, are free therapy. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why? Uh, let me say, okay. Let, and let yeah. me say this. So when when I start one of these conversations about like why what why D and D is good for you, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm a lot of what I'm talking about is me. And the standard uh, half jokey thing that I say is like, is that every single piece of knowledge that I have ultimately gets spawned out of my interest in D and D. So all of my uh, vocabulary, reading, writing style, uh, math, my current job, knowing how to program, uh, any piece of history or geography or pulp literature, basically everything I say or running through my brain um, <laughs> was really spawned by my interest in D&D. I was told this morning that I should stop saying this. I was, <laughs> so I was informed that I would look smarter if I just if I just had all this random extra knowledge and didn't tell people where it came from, it all came from <laughs> one, one single source. But uh, there I go. I've admitted yeah. it again. You you mentioned earlier you want you had some like baseline you know let's agree uh, on some 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 uh, some assumptions right that like we agree that D and D is fun it's a good time with your friends right like we 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 we're not gonna we're gonna beat that that horse uh, to death it's right? entertaining the same <laughs> way that uh, watching a movie or a sporting event or some other type of game is and it's fun I, some people would say it's <laughs> fun if you're if you're that kind of person that's that that claims that it's 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 just fun okay we'll forgive you but let's move on from that where that's that's that that's that's the least interesting part of it frankly great great given that it's fun and entertaining and 
etc. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I don't think you want to discount the fact that it's social, uh, especially these days, right? Like I think uh, it's it's fascinatingly one of the very few social activities we have right now uh, that has worked for the past year, right? You're right. Like you know, most of our social activities have been just slashed, but D and D we can still do that. And again, talking, I mean, not that this is really where we're going to go with this, but talking about the business angle of uh, Dungeons and Dragons itself, of course, they had a, a banner year saying that they had, they're more popular, more people playing and more sales in the last year than any time in its entire history. Um, so it has really been a lifeline for many, many people. And we're fortunate that people could discover it and, you know, share with us how important yeah. it's been yeah. to us. Totally. So so there you yeah. go. Item number one on why it's good for you. It is a social outlet during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> this show's going to look really weird some year. Someone's going to dig into this and go, wow, what, what are they talking what, what, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nope, real thing, everybody. Actual, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actual thing. Now, of course, you know, in the past year, you and I have been talking a whole lot about playing online, and of course, uh, with us being in separate houses in separate places, um, you know, we are fortunate historically that we just happen to have the technology available that you could play D and D and socialize online. That just a couple of years ago you couldn't do that, so that has been a uh, magical silver lining that happened yeah. to come up at the same time, and yeah. um, and thank goodness for that. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. Yep. All right. So what else? What else do you have there, Dan? Why is why is D and D good for you? Okay, so for me, uh, as I as I kind of pointed out to start, uh, my my vocabulary all comes mm -hmm. from D and D. So uh, the books that I read, the the, the way that I write. Um, when we had Luke Gygax on a couple weeks ago, he mentioned the high Gygaxian prose that Gary would write his, <laughs> the first edition books in and really looking to actually challenge us with new words out of the, the, the source that maybe we're not initially familiar with. Um, very much in the, in the tradition of the pulp literature heroes of, of Gary's, like Jack Vance in particular, mm -hmm. um, people like that are really challenging us with uh, extra uh, vocabulary to make it feel slightly alien and slightly, you know, a world that's slightly alien, slightly risky and hard hmm. to inter, you know, now, hard to come to terms with. I mean, how so, much how much of that though is actually specifically D and D, right? Like, certainly one can improve one's vocabulary simply by reading a lot, right? But like, reading a wide variety of things will expose you to more words than than you're used to or comfortable with. It's an interesting. It's an interesting point. I, it, totally true, of course. Yeah. I feel that it's an interesting. It's an interesting gesture on the part by someone like Jack Vance or somebody like that that's specifically trying to make it hard. Mm -hmm. Like, mo like, and frankly, like when I when I you know when I when I teach, like I'm always trying to make everything simpler. Like, how, simpler, simpler, simpler. Cut, 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 cut. That's my. That's the mode of. That's the mental space that I'm in almost all the time. It's an, I don't know too many works of art, you know, verbally, where someone sat down and intentionally tried to make it harder on you in order to make it feel alien and foreign and distant. <laughs> um, and maybe someone could correct me about that, but I don't know too many, you know, maybe like Ulysses or something like that. Um, but I feel like that, that pulp literature tradition of trying to invoke a world that's weird 
you know, weird, weird fiction and using the using the terminology to inculcate that. I don't know too many other pieces of art <laughs> or uh, certainly in a documentary or a history. I don't think you're going to get that same actually smash the cantaloupe in your face action. Of, Here's a bunch of words. Yeah. that I know you don't know sp- just so you can suffer through it. If I could, um, I feel like it, at one level of abstraction here, there's also the fact that D&D introduced me to these authors that I would not have gone and looked for myself, right? Like Jack Vance. Definitely. Um, right. And likewise, I would say most role-playing games, if we expand our view out from Dungeons & Dragons, most role-playing games are referential in some way to some literary or other cultural source, right? It's most. True. Right. Sure. So so the more I play different role playing games, the more that they're exposing me to, uh, you know, to n- more literature, more, more, you know, pop culture, more whatever. And then I'm going right. out and seeking that stuff as well. Totally, totally. And we could, of course, we could we could look up Appendix N or some similar mm-hmm. uh, product and just list all the authors down there. And I should have, uh, John is, John Miller is pointing out, I really should have said Clark Ashton Smith there that probably inspired Jack Fats. I'm always, you know, I'm always uh, surprised when I reflect on actually how late in the tradition Jack Vance is. Like, I always think of him as an early author, and he's actually kind of a, a later author, as a matter <laughs> of fact. Um, and I actually always kind of forget that because because the language has tricked me, frankly. Mm-hmm. The, lang- the, the language that he <laughs> uses is so esoteric and so arcane. He successfully tricked me into thinking that it's an older it's an older work than it really is. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, many of us, I think, have gone through the Appendix N and, you know, used that as a, uh, a reading course. Um, and if I look over at my library here, my bookshelf, I mean, most, yeah, I mean, my fantasy shelf is almost entirely stuff out of Appendix N mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have known about, right? I absolutely, and it's almost embarrassing that I wouldn't have known about any half of these things or even you know, 20% of these things, if it hadn't been for D&D with some kind of list of pulp sources. Yep. A thing that comes up a lot, of course, is that younger players are going to have different cultural references. Yep. Um, and nowadays it might be other movies or TV shows or anime or comic books, but certainly the, 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 initial, the initial wellspring of D&D is from literature. So I certainly feel that that's still a main, for me, it's a, a main part of my identity as a D&D player. Yeah, and you can you could go multiple hops, right? You could certainly I could certainly see someone getting into D and D today and being like, "Oh, this is like Lord of the Rings. I'm gonna go rewatch those movies. Oh, these are movies are based on books. I'm gonna go reread those books, right?" Like, and you can keep you know following following the rabbit hole down. I think totally, completely, yeah. completely, yeah. yeah. You know, I did. I, I I just just to, this. Hopefully, this is the last time I mentioned Jack Vance. But I, I, it, it occurred to me when I was researching timelines, actually, that he was still writing when you and I had our blogs, Paul. So in the mm. in the era when you and I have been writing about D and D, Vance was actually still active and still writing, which actually blew my mind when I um, when I discovered that. I want to take a, a quick second here to apologize to our viewers who are telling me that uh, it looks like looks like the stream is a little uh, has some connectivity issues today. Um, we are recording locally, so we will um, uh, upload the full video uh, at the end here uh, if, if it's really choppy and, and unpleasant for folks. So I just say, for, uh, you look fine to me, Paul. I'm at my the loopback is choppy on me, so I, they might just be exp- they might be complaining about just my my end of the feed here. No, nope, nope, you look nice and smooth to me. So I think it's really? okay. I think it's our connection up. Okay. Is, okay. Yep. Good. 
Anyway, thanks for coming, everybody. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Uh, we're gonna we're just gonna bowl through now and uh, hope that uh, hope that you can uh, stick with us. So, um, uh, yeah. So, reading comprehension, uh, literature, uh, exposure to to pulp, uh, to pulp, and to uh, pop culture in general. Uh, all excellent, excellent uh, outputs of, of role playing games for sure. I have a list. Okay, so I have a list of things, uh, not literature things, but things that I've researched uh, about the real world uh, because of my playing D and D or trying to frame some kind of medievalish fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, over the years, I have spent at least some amount of time going to the library and reading about language biology, animal behavior, mythology, medieval art, medieval monster conceptions, feudalism, politics, economics, travel, trade, navigation, geography, climatology, military science, technology and engineering, demographics, religion, writing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and history. Did I have that in there? So um, uh, all of these things I've spent at least some amount of time reading up and learning about in order to create a more compelling or more hopefully realistic uh, a mm-hmm. world with verisimilitude you might say yeah um, yeah yeah for sure i mean uh definitely i would i would say that the um for me uh some of the deepest uh sort of historical dives i've gone on have been because of role playing games now not in this case not D, but usually actually horror for whatever reason um I often find my horror games are inspired by some historical moment, and then I dive deep into that historical moment. Uh, I then make the mistake of assuming that everyone is just as uh, completely immersed in it as I am and have all this information. Um, but I've actually, like, I've, I've run a horror game that was set in um, Cold War Berlin, and uh, I've, I've run one um, uh, that's sort of set just in the 80s during Satanic Panic, with that as a theme. And I've gotten to this point now where I will try to boil down information into just a one page. Here's a historical outline for you of the of the period we're playing in, and leave that like printed out around the table as so as people show up at a convention. Like, oh, read read the historical background of the of the of the period we're playing in, uh, which is really fascinating, right? Because I've gone down these crazy crazy wells of of information. You know, playing Cthulhu, I've read way more about sort of. 30s crime era uh depression era stuff because of cthulhu than than i would have otherwise there you go there you go now the funny thing is for it's funny that because i make the exact same mistake about uh assuming that uh all the other players are going to be as knowledgeable about as i am but i find that it works in my favor because um i think as i've said maybe at least once um they generally think that i came up with some kind of insane not conceivably real thing out of my mad imagination, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so more than once, I've just been like, blah, 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 like I know happened in the Roman Empire or something like that. And everybody's like, well, that's crazy. What kind of insane vendor were you <laughs> on to come up with that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and I don't, and actually I don't tell them. I don't tell them that. So there's a number <laughs> of things in my campaigns that are just literally yeah. ripped off out of a history book, but nobody's nobody has realized that to date. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. History is stranger than fiction. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I gotta say, uh, Paul, uh, your your game around the Satanic Panic is uh, 
I'm pretty sure it's the best game I ever played. I was, <laughs> I was amazed and stunned and shocked. And um, I, I, you've, I think you've spent a little time thinking about whether that's maybe publishable in some form. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, just really, and, and you know, the, frankly, no matter what you do, you're not going to have the magic of you running it. It's, uh, so um, it's a favorite of mine to run. So uh, once yeah. conventions come back, if you're in the New yeah. England area and go into a convention, I'll probably run it. Fantastic! I'm <laughs> glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a favorite of mine. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting just to dive into. It's, it's weird to think of just like the '80s being a historic period, and and <laughs> right. Yes, I lived through it, but. Um, you know, you take a look back and think about how, how culturally things were different back then. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. 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 It really is. Anyway, uh, what else, what else do you have for us? Other reasons that D&D are good for you? Okay. So I have a bullet point that says learn math and probability. Yeah. Uh, I think we've done a whole talk is, here would, on, on the I, probability <laughs> of dice. Um, I don't think I've ever read a probability book that doesn't like immediately dive into dice, right? Like that's like every every math professor's favorite probability. That well, you machine. know, it's funny because actually, um, I, actually, it's not. It's funny. It's not my. Uh, it's not the book that I teach statistics out of. But actually, here's the book that I actually teach programming out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. Gaddis is uh, uh, starting out with C plus plus from Control Structures or Objects, and the cover of that is actually dice. It's obviously, dice. there you go. Um, and in fact, it's even role playing dice because it's got the digits, not the pips. As a matter of fact, um, that's funny. Yeah, uh, and the, the funny thing it wasn't until the it actually wasn't until the next edition where he put in an actual project about who actually references Dungeons and Dragons specifically <laughs> and has a project uh, on simulating dice as a class you would have thought that would have been there earlier yeah um, uh, so you're right it's funny because I saw a um, there's a there's a site on YouTube that I, I like a lot that I'd recommend called mythologer uh, does really nice deep dives onto uh, you know interesting unusual math subjects and he did a he did a, a, a video I think last month on uh, it leaned on some probability stuff and he pointed out a lot of you know countries are thinking about getting done with coins hmm. and so he was saying so this whole flipping coin exercise might be totally defunct in a short amount of time huh. or, or or i guess it was a question about like how many ways can you make change right how many ways can you make change with these coins for a dollar or something like that yeah yeah um and it was interesting that uh if if coins go away and people start to not know about what flipping coins means, then at least we'll be left with dice in our role-playing games. It might even, it might even be more important in the future. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, like, the game teaching you math, right, I think um, beyond just uh, exposing you to concepts of probability that maybe you want to explore and understand more deeply, I think um, it also gives you a chance to exercise math and, and, and exercise math at speed, right? Because that's... A thing I find is constantly happening at the table. You're rolling the dice. You're having to do a bunch of math in your head, spit out some numbers, and you're doing it over and over and over again. And uh, you're getting a little social pressure if you're slow, right? <laughs> so so uh, nice. And I think that's I think that's really valuable. Honestly, I think you know any any skill gets better with practice. And so here's a thing, an, an excuse to sit down and and practice this over and over and over again. Something that you would never practice on your own, right? Like. Like, I don't know about you, Dan, but when I exercise, I hate going to the gym and lifting weights and, and like, running on a treadmill. It's really boring. 
but uh, you know, go do some activity. Let's go for a bike ride. Like suddenly it's fun, and I'm you know tricked myself into getting some exercise. So likewise, I think role playing games trick you into exercising your math muscles. Yeah, yeah, I hundred I a hundred percent agree with that. I feel exactly the same way about going to a gym or exercising, and I always have. And I, I mean, frankly, the you know the the, the basic like you're saying the basic drill of like adding and subtracting uh, for your dice and your attack rolls and your damage and your saving throws and your situational bonuses and your advantage, your disadvantage and stuff like that um, was the, was the prime and particularly as the DM. So having to do that for gobs and gobs and gobs of monsters and not just one single character mm-hmm. is pretty much what put me on the path to where my brain is today. The only other thing that I actually ever sat down and drilled on, I think, for what it's worth in the third grade was when we were being taught times tables mm-hmm. and uh and it's funny because i just assumed this happened everywhere but of course it might have been unique to my particular teacher is they did make a competitive contest out of that so on a weekly basis we would stand up and we'd have a round robin tournament of how fast and how how accurately can you do your times tables and I don't know if you've shown this, seen this show called The Big Bad Paul, but but uh, some people really like competitive structures, yeah. Um, and that's to a large degree where that came out of. And and I know probably a lot of people nowadays would say, don't put that amount of pressure on young kids. Maybe that maybe that's not great for everybody, but for me, the competitive yeah. aspect of really wanting to win that made me really good at that. Hmm. Um, and. For, for, for me, I agree that the, the, a competitive situation like that really gets my juices running. And I sometimes, you know, if, if, if that's bad for, for some people, that I might actually make an error once in a while about that because I assume that's a good thing. Um, and I probably, I probably wouldn't have sat down and, 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 and drilled that the same if I didn't have a game or some kind of contest right. to do that in. Right. Totally. Yeah. Plus, you know, comparing and ratios and probability and expected values and what's the minimum damage and what's the maximum damage you can do per round and stuff like that. Um, And then spawning off to, you know, more complicated statistical type stuff. Um, And accidentally, that's how I pay the bills now. Oh, oh, well, I mean, that's, I, stumbled, I mean, I stumbled into a math degree, right? Yeah. I mean, I went to college and I really did, I, you know, unlike you, I'm not super goal-oriented. And so I was like, well, this is fairly straightforward and simple. So I just kept taking more math classes and then I had a degree and then I had a master's degree. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do for work now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of accident, you know, had the great, great, great good fortune of accidentally stumbling into something that people actually pay more pay me for, which is to teach that stuff. It's funny. It's funny. I mean, so. to, to to be to be fair, Dan, I took my first computer science course in college to get out of the math requirement. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't really uh, forecasting that career path for myself okay. either. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were. I I think one one of our good friends was saying just two nights ago that all the all the best uh, software engineers all have English degrees. <laughs> so I, I can understand that. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, of course you do. <laughs> Look who wrote that. Okay. Well, that, that, okay. So that's that, that. My next bullet point was computing skills, right? Yeah. Okay. So many of us, right, got into got into writing programs for things like automatic dice rolls, or character generators, or encounter generators, or treasure creation. 
or maybe like a whole combat simulator that allows you to balance the relative uh, risk and reward <laughs> of different monsters or something like that, yep. possibly. Um, and so I think a lot of, I mean, that it, it's a really wonderful initial drill of like, like, like you said, write a program to roll dice. Okay. I mean, if you know anything about programming at all, that seems really simple, but the first time you do that, right, that you need to learn a couple new things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it's funny how, what a, what a, what a continuum there is of really simple stuff in a role-playing game that needs to happen that would be nice to have automated and really, really complicated stuff. So depending on your interest level, there's a whole lot of space there if you are getting into computer programming to, to challenge yourself to get something done that you want to see automated like that. So many, many, many of us have spent time on that kind of zone of uh, automatic generators, and they're very useful. They're very helpful to a game. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a really great way to learn programming, too. I, I spent a, a, a stupid amount of time in college, you know, not doing actual classwork and instead doing programming for, for D&D, frankly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's an absurd misprioritization. But I was, I was most of the time so much more attracted and interested in that than the actual maybe computing course that I was yeah. taking. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, as they say, right, necessity is the mother of invention. And, there you go. Um, but yeah, I would say I'd certainly have spent a lot of time. I'll probably often spend more time writing a program to solve a problem for me than if I had just sat down and done it manually. Um, yeah. 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 And hopefully, that's, hopefully that's, not too much, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's historically been true too, right? Like, like the the overlap of uh, of computer science enthusiasts and role playing enthusiasts has always been very high, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of if you go back into like some of the very early days of programming, a lot of the early examples are folks trying to figure out how to uh, make D and D happen on their computer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. At least in video games, I can tell you that. That's that's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it can possibly go. And I, I, before I forget, I'll say if, if you're interested in more of the, the the programming that Paul and I do, please go to, please go to visit GitHub.com/slash/wanderingyams, <laughs> and you'll see a couple of small things that we put up there that have come up on the show. And then I also have uh, my own uh, GitHub as well, which is Daniel R. Collins one there, which has has uh, which I've I've had for a longer time, so it has it has a, a number of. of longer things that, we're, that some of us are still developing, actually. Um, and your, po your point, Paul, about um, wanting to make a computer version of D&D, it's interesting because that all goes back to that first, apparently that very first meeting that Gary Gygax had with the Twin City guys that supposedly Dave Arneson came in and showed the whole complicated Blackmore world campaign that uh, that one could consider, and also Dave McGarry came in and had a very focused board game dungeon uh, session, specifically because he wanted to deliver uh, part of the experience that you didn't need a dungeon master for or referee, as it was because this was before the dungeon master term came up. Um, and so the the, uh, the the desire to have a DMless version of D and D. I think really inspired a lot of those computer versions mm. of the game and really inspired a lot of, of video game that came later. And that, that desire occurred even before D&D was even a thing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, 
anyone who's in the <laughs> video game industry who's uh, into AI, like that is the the holy grail of AI. I think is 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 a fully automated DM, right? Someone who can. Yeah. And there's there's been some recent things all along that direction. I can't remember what the heck the name of it was, oh, yeah. but there was a, a recent uh, app that you could get that was attempting to be an, an AI dungeon master. Um, in a purely kind you of story it's... story based sort of feeling of a of a of a D and D or a dungeon exploration. You know, it's really funny because when I when I think of when I think of AI in terms of actual D and I actually think of it for the players. I actually think really? of of AI, uh, like I would love to have a, a, you know, like a like a machine learning AI that optimized the player play, at least on simple encounters, to know what the optimal strategies were, so that you could properly balance things like challenge ratings. Because presumably there's some sort of optimal play, and we should we should take that into account. And if there was an AI that could do that on a repetitive basis, it would be a lot easier to actually dial in your your supposed challenge ratings. So. On my end, I would like an AI that optimized on the player's end. On your end, if we had an AI that did the DMing, we could just automate the whole game. <laughs> Great. None of us need to do that. Uh, uh, the thing I was thinking of uh, for folks who are interested, because I, I had to look it up and find it, it's uh, play.aidungeon.io. Um, check it out. Uh, it's crazy. Really? Yep, yep. Yep, it has to be a fully AI run dungeon. It's it's weird. It's fun. Try it. <laughs> uh, let me get back. Side, to no, we had a question that we had a question in the chat about whether your Satanic Panic game was was uh, ah. was on video. We do not have that. No, no. Unfortunately, it's never we don't been have streamed. That live. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's still a mystery. I'll <laughs> 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 have to figure out at some point some way to some way to expose that wider. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, why is D and D good for you, uh, Dan? What else do you have? Okay, so we so it's funny. So we're joking here about like just remove all the people. <laughs> we're joking here about remove all the people. And our good friend Joshua there was saying, well, yeah, the more you do the computer version, the more you're 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 taking out the social aspect. And of course, uh, we, we started off the show saying one of the major things is, is the social aspect, right? The role playing part, even before the game playing part, mm -hmm. was of course the, th the first thing that popped into your head, uh, both of our heads actually. So you know, we could. There's a whole bunch of different things on that. The very first thing to me is learning teamwork, right? So so learning to work as a team. Uh, you have different proficiencies, of course, different specializations and learning how to work with a bunch of people to optimize and uh, become a, a team that's more than just the sum of your parts mm -hmm. is a great lesson. Again, in a context where uh, no one's going to lose a job, uh, no one's going to lose a million dollars, no one's life is literally going to be on the line. You can practice that, that interaction of who can speak, uh, who gets time to share an idea and sure. how can an idea be, you know, improved uh, communally, how can you balance risk and war reward in that situation? And of course, like you say, we know there's all kinds of like, you know, uh, company retreats, right? Uh, the, the, when I was in high school, I think sophomore year, we had a program called, oh Lord, oh, I even Lord, t-dated a year and I, turned, I think, <laughs> 
But I, I hear what you mean, like, right? You're talking about something you know, above. Yeah. It was like challenge above or something like that. I can't remember. But of course, there's a whole lot of team retreats where people pay big money to have that that teamwork building exercise type stuff, mm-hmm. and that's all built into an essential part of what D and D is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, and, and this is this is touching on a thing that we talked to Ethan about, which was just generally D and D making this safe place for you to practice various social skills, right? From teamwork to uh, to anything, right? Like if you're, right. um, you know, maybe um, you know, uh, have some have some trouble relating with other humans for whatever reason, right? Uh, that that D and D gives you the context in which to practice that skill in a low stakes way. Right, right. To- and I, I totally agree with that. Yep. And um, we like I've said this, and multiple reviewers have, have said the following, particularly for maybe young children, someone who's on the spectrum, which I consider myself to be, uh, one of our brothers or sisters who's autistic, um, ha- being able to practice and engage in those social interactions. Um, and now I can't remember who it was. Was it Ethan telling us about... Someone was telling us, actually, I think it might have been Joshua, actually, in the Discord chat, telling us about um, someone whose child was autistic, and um, they, they tried to say something, and then the, the, the DM, who I believe is their parent, said, but your character has charisma 14. They wouldn't be so rude. <laughs> try again. Right, try again with something that your yeah. character really would say and that, that would make the other person you know, want to do uh, the thing that you're asking them to do. Which is, an, I don't can't think of another opportunity you would have, because you have a little bit of a barrier there. It's like, it's like yeah. not your being rude, yeah, right? Yeah, that would come yeah. off as as punitive, but the character that you're playing is being unnecessarily rude, and that one step of difference all of a sudden feels to me like a lot safer, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. rather than rather than your being rude. And so I think that for many of us, many of us possibly on the spectrum or something like that, what a, it's, it's a really great opportunity to practice those things out and see how other people would would respond before we're in a position where there's there's really uh, stakes yeah. at hand. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned earlier in your list, uh, not not only not only folks who just have trouble with this, but any any young developing mind. Um, right. And when I. When I quickly uh, Google searched our main question here of why is role playing good for you is what I entered into my Google search. Uh, immediately, what I got back is a whole bunch of articles on uh, the the you know uh, intellectual development of young children. Right, just talking specifically about why is it good for little kids to run around and pretend to be Superman, uh, and not you know it's not talking about D and D, but it's talking about a thing we do that's pretty close. Right, and it talks a lot about exactly these same points of of it being a, a good place to practice, you know, uh, you know, emotional and and social skills. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's very powerful. And this, this is getting this is touching, I think, also into what we were talking about before about it being used as a therapeutic tool in uh, yeah, you know, in psychiatry. There's a there's a couple of really I mean there's been so much interesting chat go by that that, that I haven't had time to spot all of it but uh, BK Dan uh, said that uh, his he has a son that it's all that it's been very beneficial to um, which is a great great Oops, observation that was the wrong one but you know what I wanted to see this too yeah, we'll come yeah, back yeah. to this and John Miller saying do we have only anecdotes or do we have um, do we have specific studies about the benefits or harms of D and D that's an interesting question I that one I don't. I'm, I couldn't cite anything right this second. 
Um, Sorry, I was trying to put up uh, BK Dance yeah, yeah. Uh, thing here there with the sun being on the spectrum, and he responds really well with D and D social skill development. Um, yeah, I'm, that's that's so wonderful to hear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I feel very sympathetic to that. <laughs> Are there studies? I mean, yeah, I get, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can refer to is, uh, you know, minor uh, stuff from 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 way back when when I was in college. It seems like there must be more uh, modern studies on this. There must be. I don't, I don't have them at my fingertips. But if anybody does, right. uh, we'd love to see them. That. We should look that up. We should look that up afterwards. I can't. Hmm. I can't cite anything on the show right immediately. But I bet there there, there has to be. Like like you said. Um, uh, when 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 Jen, I believe, did that a long time ago, there was a lot of thought going into that kind of stuff for, for years at this point. So you'd think that there would be. Um, uh, I, it's, it's Stephen Wendell is saying everything I really needed to know. I learned playing D and D, which I think either is either you're agreeing with me or or you're you're, uh, you're rephrasing even better the way that the thing that I said at the start of the show. <laughs> um, Gotcha. Right. So I think several of us are going to be researching that afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. great. I will not be surprised if it exists. Um, yeah. Now on that same on that same thought line, you know, one thing that occurred to me is it's really nice to be able to like literally take a role in the sense of practice what it's like to be another person because that's all part of role. You're not you know you're not entirely just yourself. You're taking on some other person you know in a world and so it's also an opportunity and this is something that maybe some people would say can be risky or not for everybody or not for all groups but you do have the opportunity to try on a different social class or a different ethnicity or a different gender or depending on how far you push that a different race or a different species or a different clade or uh, you know, an inanimate object or a robot, maybe as far as that goes. And so, I, as as many people, either at, at the very least, I feel like uh, practicing and exercising our our, our empathy and what mm -hmm. it's like to walk in some other somebody else's shoes and to understand and support the different challenges that other people in the world have. I think that's a great way to really really feel that intimately in your bones and you know i don't think it's it's too much of a stretch to say for some people who are exploring their own sense of identity um i think i think paul you and i know some people that have used clearly used dnd as a way to explore what it would be like to be a different a different identity that has then become a major part of their life mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's i i agree with your uh, you mentioned earlier that this is this is um, you know what, something that should be done with care, right? That uh, yeah. you got to make sure that yeah. you're with a good, trusting group that you're not accidentally yeah. going to, you know, uh, offend or or step into some some unfortunate bias. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely, it can be used in that way for sure. It could, yeah, for sure, it could. Uh, I remember a game. Uh, I remember a game I played at a convention uh, that very specifically. Uh, was set in um, the Royal British Navy in Napoleon period of time, and all the characters were specific um, uh, officers on a ship, right? So sort of a master and commander kind of kind of setting. And the interesting thing about that is that all the characters had very very specific social status in comparison to each other, 
and it and it okay. and it forced this kind of interesting level of status play of having to recognize on the in the so in the strict you know 19th century social standing ladder i know precisely where i am and that this person is more important than me and this person is less important than me and that affects how i'm going to relate to them um and just a really interesting interesting uh and not something i really expected in that game but an interesting aspect of the game that came out was like oh we have to like really dig into this weird status play <clears throat> yeah <laughs> And it's very different because obviously you're. I'm, I'm used to playing you know, Fellowship of the Rings, kind of. We're 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 or or Fafford and Grey Mouser. You know, we're we're a team, but we're kind mm -hmm. of like a we're kind of like a mob, and uh, we're we're kind of like a scrum. Basically, it's like anybody could possibly catch the ball at any particular time, and that is an interesting thing to uh, to dig into. Actually, I don't. I can't say as I've ever played a game where that was yeah. like a significant component yeah it was very it was very interesting and something uh, i think we, we did an improv exercise ahead of time that that uh, or maybe this was for a different game but i definitely remember doing an, an improv exercise that plays with status play and how, how we how we portray status uh when we're acting oh. and um it's yeah i think if you go into it consciously and you're thinking about it it's really fascinating both in terms of just like you know how how you interact with with people of different status, but like even then of like, you know how you can then leverage that in whether it's up or down the chain, right? There's the, the like the concept of managing up, right? Of like how do I, as a lower status person, how do I influence this scenario, knowing that I can't uh, do certain social interactions. Give me like one. I'm so that's, that, I'm, now that's like a whole. Now there's a whole lot, hour long that I want to spend on that. Give me like one specific example that that came into play in that game. Like how would you either uh, manage well, up or manage down? Well, specifically up? in this in this game, the the top of the the top of the heap is the captain, and the captain was a was an NPC, and it was a horror game, and the captain was doing terrible things and going mad. And so one of the issues that came up was, well, how do we? you know manipulates the 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 captain is given this specific order how do we influence him to go in a slightly different direction or reinterpret it to a way that's beneficial to everyone on the ship uh that still that still allows us to follow the letter of the law here that we must obey his orders so stuff like that um <clears throat> And then, and then the players yeah. would do it, do it to each other, right? They would do it to each other okay. where somebody would just say, uh, well, the captain told me to do this, so I'm ordering you to go, you know, climb up to the, to the, to the crow's nest and, uh, you know, I, you know, try and see through the, the, the fog and see what's going on, uh, even though, you know, three people have died going up there, <laughs> right? And then having somebody try to, try to reinterpret that or manipulate that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That's great. That that is so. I work at a big institution with many, many, many levels of bureaucracy, and that's that's a major thing that I see going on. Actually, that's really yeah. yeah. That's a really great insight. Yeah. Well, yeah. sir, wouldn't don't you think it would be a better display to the to the, to the morale of the crew if you, as our leader, were the one to go up and brave right. and <laughs> face the dangers and show us that there's nothing right. terrible going on up there. <laughs> great great yeah that kind of and stuff. i can i mean i there's there's also like a i can imagine like let's just reinterpret a word let's just <laughs> let's just assume that when he said throw overboard that that term today means something totally like put him in the <laughs> or something like that right yeah um yeah great great 
Yeah, that's brilliant. There's a lot of there's a lot of lessons there that I could have used. <laughs> that I could have used at an earlier yeah. date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, fascinating. It's fascinating, right? And these are these are social structures that don't necessarily exist in in quite as a rigid form today as they did back then, right? And and it gives us this again this safe opportunity to play, yeah. even though like. They kind of do, right? They're not as formal these 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 roles. They're not as formal as they used to be. But as you mentioned, like you you work in a big bureaucracy, there are yeah. you know right. status issues uh, that that arise where you have to deal with that in a in a you know in your day to day social interactions with your you know with your coworkers. And I uh, bet that depends. I bet that depends on like where you know country, location, region, job. I bet I bet you're from the military today. I assume that that's pretty. Pretty um, rigorous, I you yeah. know. I assume mm-hmm. still today, um, which is kind of the situation in that that particular game. So, getting to you know feel that and experience that without actually having to do a tour of duty <laughs> would, be, would be very helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a great observation, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's a great example of just putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. In this case, a different time. Right, um, right. For what, uh, which, uh, an actual, real world, not fictional, made up um, institution. Yep. And what it would be like to exist in that very different, uh, that very different context. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Let's see. Other <laughs> stuff. Okay. So I think I might. I, so I, I, I may or may not get through the whole list in the in the hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were we were talking about. Um, there's, you know, nowadays there's a lot, there's a number of entertainment figures or speakers or actors who are, are, are now admitting, I guess I'll put it, that they got started in, um, you know, taking on roles by playing D&D. So obviously we had, uh, we were fortunate to have uh, Joe Manganiello on last season and talk about exactly that. And we got the opportunity to ask him, do you think D&D uh, benefited your acting, and his answer was absolutely a hundred percent. And he's like the all of you know my whole role on uh, True Blood. I think is is where he was uh, entirely inspired by a character that I played in a D and D game. I think is what he said. Yep. And obviously, people like Stephen Colbert and Anderson Cooper um, and many many other people have um, have said the same thing. And I think the the director John Favreau who, of course, directed the original Iron Man and basically launched off the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And let me see, there's some other job he's done recently. What is it? I think it's on a Disney Channel, some kind you, of... You're talking about The Mandalorian? Oh, right, right, that show, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a show, too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, and I, I believe he, he said he started, you know, writing stories and creating characters for D&D yep. games in yep. the past yep. as well is how we got started, so... I mean, there's, um, there's, I, you feel like you're, you're you're blurring the line here between two separate things, which are both really interesting mm-hmm. and, and important. One is just just pure like acting skill. If you want to be an actor, then yes, of course, D and D is great practice for that, right? You're going to take yeah. on other roles and pretend yeah. to be different people yeah. who are different from yourself. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and you you know maybe you'll even do some voice work. Maybe you'll try to like portray different emotions than what you're feeling on your face, right? Like there's yes, yes, yeah. you'll definitely get a chance yeah. to do all of that in. Uh, in D anD D, on the other hand, also like it promotes creativity, right? Like, like it allows right. us to exercise right. our creative muscles, um, right. and possibly that could lead to careers down the road. 
Um, the one that jumps to mind for me always is uh, uh, Pendleton Ward creating uh, um, Adventure Time, the cartoon Adventure Time, which yeah. he's said many times is like based on the D and D campaign he was playing. Right. Right. Or and same played. for you know, same for uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, my understanding is that came directly out of somebody's D and D game, more or less. Really? Um, that one I hadn't. I think so. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Interesting. I think uh, what you know, George. George, George R. R. Martin. R. R. Martin right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Didn't. I, I, we could we could look it up. Maybe I might be if I'm misremembering that. I apologize, <laughs> but I thought I read somewhere, and I have not read the whole series. But I thought I read somewhere that that came that basically the 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 setting and the events came out of his D and D game. Fascinating. I believe is specifically his A D and D game, as I thought. Wow, I could okay. be mistaken about Crazy. that. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Great. Well, I should look that up, and I've, I'll put in the description if I'm totally <laughs> off on that. I'll put an apology. Yeah, um, but certainly, I mean, now these days, of course, we're seeing D and D as directly as the entertainment but uh but there's okay. a lot of cases i think yeah where, where D was just the inspiration point um for for subsequent um subsequent creations so john miller in the chat saying that uh, martin used to used to game master the gurp system yeah there you um, go right and he had right he has a credit in the fiend folio <laughs> that's great right thank that's you Adam. Great. that's great yeah okay yeah okay. right okay. yeah awesome. Yeah, come on! Yeah. I, I, I wasn't totally yeah. off base on that. I, I mean, that. it. There you go. If you're going to create content for your D and D game, not only you're exercising your creative muscles, but also your yeah. writing skills, right? Yeah. Like right. maybe you're going to publish your D and D adventure. Okay, now we're now we're learning all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you know, and and it, there was a point where again, this the, those latter things weren't possibilities. So up until I think it was in like the last ten years, most. You know, celebrities or actors, if they did it, they kept it secret. That was a deep, that was a deep, dark secret that you kind of didn't admit publicly until mm -hmm. fairly recently. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it wasn't an option to, uh, it wasn't really supported to, uh, you know, publish these things either. And of course, we had Sean Reynolds on last, uh, last year talking about how up until 2000, uh, TSR had an iron fist and declared to you, Anything you wrote about D and D at all was owned by the company, um, mm. and that has been a, a major transition. You know, now we're talking twenty years ago, but a major transition in our history with the game that that was actually possible. Because at one point it was it was a a secret, b a mystery. Uh, uh, I don't know how many. I've just I've, I've jumped from A to C, didn't I? Um, <laughs> don't talk about B. We anyway, there were a lot of problems. Can't tell you about. My point is that there were a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um and now we're now we're in a place where it's it's more publicly shareable, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. How uh, about before yeah. Okay, wait, yeah. go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. Okay. I I I was going to say that possibly another benefit of playing D&D &D is that if you find yourself in a brand new city, uh working a new job where you don't oh. know anybody, that possibly a D and D game might form lifelong friendships that last far beyond the span of that one job that you first got in this new town, um, and then maybe eventually spawn a partnership and the creation of a YouTube channel where you get to uh, <laughs> talk to your good friend, uh, even though they've moved away to a different state entirely. That's that's a possible and of playing D and D. Develop a community <laughs> of other people that are sharing their insights as well, and yeah. making it uh, ten times ten times as wonderful as it was before. That is that's an a really point. the the community yeah. aspect of D and D is yeah. really not to be under undervalued. Whether you're talking about just like 
you can just create a Twitter account right now and start posting about D&D and you'll just meet tons of people. Um, or go to uh, uh, your local gaming convention once those start happening again. Um, you know, a lot of good friends that I uh, have made over the years were met at, at conventions like that. It's fun. Just just last week, and it was tied up with some other issues, but our, our friend uh, Angela Black said the exact same thing. She moved to a different state for a job, didn't know anybody in the premises whatsoever. And um, uh, the first contact was somebody that uh, was she was in a, a group with for D&D, reached out, had lunch, and then uh, was introduced to other people and were, were playing the game. And the whole kernel of their uh, social network uh, in the new the new town was was entirely based on D&D. So another yeah. another great example of exactly that kind of thing happening. And and, you know, for some of us, I mean, it's a combination of like, um, you know, we, we want you know, more people to engage in the hobby. And, you know, for some of us, again, it's been it's been a challenge to to find people that wanted to play for us. So a lot of D&Ders are like exceptionally open and exceptionally proactive about welcoming people because they're, we're special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People that people that really want to play D&D really bad, badly are really kind of special and we need to treasure them. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. <sighs> Getting overcome now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you know to to put a pin in it. Um, you know, earlier I was referring to, of course, Dan, how you and I met. And as I look back on that, you know, yes, we were working at the same very small company. Um, right. But as I recall, actually, I think consistently throughout that tenure, we were on different projects. I don't think that we ever really worked on the same project at the same time, and that really our friendship forged at the D and D table um, right. when we started playing. You're right. Hundred yeah. percent. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I can't remember whose idea it was. I mean, maybe it was your idea to start playing after after after. Well, here's uh, okay. Like here's I remember specifically. Here's the funny thing. Uh, <laughs> I I was uh, with a former friend uh, from college. Uh, a, a, a former friend of college who lived near me. We was uh, he and I were trying to start a D and D campaign, and we're like doing the whole like go to game stores and put information on a corkboard because that's what you did back then. Right. Um, and we we're trying to form this game. And I was talking to my office mate about that. And he said, and this is uh, our friend Joe, and he said, well, I want to play D&D. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, um, we've, I, think our, I think our group's already kind of full, but we could maybe we play something in the office. And then, of course, you know, it just percolated through the office and suddenly there was an office campaign. Right, 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 right. right. That's right. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. But you were the uh, you were the catalyst. You were the yeah, catalyst to yeah, a large degree, yeah. which, not, I, not which I was guessing. Yeah, <laughs> not intentionally, yeah. but yes, yes, yeah. I was just talking about it, just like this is what I'm doing. Oh, I'm going to play this D and D game. Oh, what? Yeah, three. Yeah, All right, we are just about out of time, Dan. I'm sure you have ah, two more it. bullets that we haven't touched damn on. It. Uh, any one last okay. thing you want to toss in there? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, associated hobbies that are connected to D&D, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff that's connected very closely to D&D. Um, you know, n- n- uh, writing uh, fan fiction or short stories or, or novels. Um, uh, costume play, right? Going to conventions and LARPs, and uh, some people really get into the costume play angle of it. Uh, miniature painting, right? Wargaming eh? and miniature painting. Maybe you get really into... Maybe sculpting your own miniatures or painting them is a whole fascinating hobby that uh, came up on the breakfast briefing this morning, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was working on that yesterday, as a matter of fact, which is not something I normally do. But my 
my brain was in a different space at the end of the day because I was actually getting to do something with my hands uh, for the concrete at the table, you know, non-digital uh, game that we're playing. So that yeah. that felt really, really interesting to me yesterday. In my horror games, I've explored a lot of prop making. Uh, anybody watching the show looking over my shoulder will see a yeah. uh, rotary phone. Uh, which I've actually hacked to make it able to uh, ring and speak over, even though it's not actually connected to a real phone line, uh, for a game, for a role-playing game. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's amazing. Electronics amazing. and prop making and all kinds of stuff you can get into because, right. because of role-playing games. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. So fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. great. Yeah. All right. Well, viewers, if you have other thoughts on why D&D is good for you, Wait, I'm sure there are a lot of... One last oh. thing. One last thing. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt, Paul. going to the end. I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry. So here's... Okay, I thought... See, I knew this was a risk that I wasn't going to get this in. So here's here's my final thought. My final thought is for me, okay, the, for me, the, 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 the greatest thing about D&D is it uses up all my brain. And I think for many of us, uh, we are not being used to our full capacity and sometimes the world is a little bit uh, a little bit dreary or boring. And when I am running a D&D game, that's the only time when all of my brain is in use. Hmm. And I am speaking and I'm talking and I'm thinking and I'm listening and I'm thinking statistics and strategy and spatial locations and all the rules in the book and all the monsters that could show up. And the meta awareness about who is engaged at the table and who's maybe a little bit bored that I need to work better with and acting and gestures and team building and uh, voice work. Um, and, and that's, I, I come away from a and d game and I have, I've been entirely used up mm-hmm. and it's the only time when the, 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 the cares, the, you know, the, the, the social interactions plus the strategy, plus the acting, uh, plus the number work, um, I leave it all on the table, and it's the only thing that does that for me. And I'm so glad to have that in my life because it's it's the only time I get to experience that. There you go. There you go. It's a full brain activity. That's, that's 100%. amazing. 100%. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, folks. Uh, if you have some other thoughts of other ways that D&D are good for you, please leave them in the comments below. We would love to hear from you. Uh, while you're there, check out in the description the link to our uh, sponsor, Describe. Uh, you can find them at describe.com slash wandering. That is D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com slash wandering. Dan, what, uh, what will our viewers find at describe.com? Uh, I'm glad you asked, actually. So Describe are professional writers of box text. And they provide evocative, unique descriptions uh, to describe new places or spells or magic items or characters that uh, show up in your game. So if you are a game master, you can save quite a bit of time on something new uh, on your game prep by uh, looking up something fresh on uh, Describe.com. They even have a custom search facility. So if your players go totally off the rails, which we adore, again, we say we adore that, you can just look it up right in the middle of your game and come up with something that you never would have thought of on your own at Describe. Great. Uh, while you're there, use the discount code WANDERING for 10% off of any of their offerings. Fantastic. Uh, remember, of course, that if you're new to the show, that you can like and follow and subscribe to us, The Wandering DMs, on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and Facebook and GitHub. And we Get- do have the <laughs> handle Wandering DMs on all of those sites, so please look for us there at your favorite social media site. 
If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can do that. Uh, you can find the podcasts at our website at wanderingtms.com. Uh, also available through various carriers such as iTunes and Google Podcast and Spotify and a variety of others. If you're listening to us on one of those carriers, please take a moment to rate and review our show there. Uh, that helps other users of that platform find us, and we really appreciate it. We really do. Uh, thanks so much to the uh, viewers today in our live chat. This is uh, so uh, beneficial to hear your thoughts um, as, uh, as we're here uh, live. Uh, upcoming things on the Wandering DMs channel. Uh, Paul, you're back on Thursday with another 10 Dead Rats that we'll all look forward to. Uh, the Book of War War Game is off this week. We'll be uh, back next week. Upcoming shows on Wandering DMs next week, we're going to have a discussion, uh, you, me, and the viewers, on Roads and Highways. Um, it's a little bit of an oversight in the original rules about what happens on roads or highways, and yet we find that in our games, that's where the player characters are uh, traveling most of the time. So maybe we should fill that in uh, with our viewers' thoughts. The week after that, April 4th, we'll have uh, as a special guest uh, Janelle Jaquez, who of course is one of the most um, uh, prominent adventure writers of all time. Um, uh, who is the author of uh, things like Dark Tower and uh, Caverns of Thracia, worked on the Judges Guild retrospective that came out last year, and is making all kinds of new stuff for 5th edition even today. So awesome. uh, I personally am just super looking forward to speaking with Janelle Jaquez on April 4th. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the stuff to look forward to. Uh, thanks, as always, to the patrons of the show. We could not get special guests and conversations on other shows without your generosity. If you're in a position to join our patrons, please do go, do go to patreon.com slash wanderingdms, uh, a couple different tier levels, and you will have access to things like our uh, private patrons-only Discord server, the uh, special monthly videos that uh, we do for the breakfast briefing, polls on what you want to see on our blogs and upcoming shows, and also participate in uh, uh, post-show chats, like we're about to have in just a couple of minutes when we wrap up here. Uh, plus discounts on merch. I think I got that. That's, <laughs> is, that is that most everything this time, I think, Paul? I, 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 it's I think, really I, hard to remember all that stuff. I think you got all the benefits. Did you mention the uh, the private videos, such as the, um, uh, the breakfast briefing that you did this morning? I think I did. I think okay, I got good. that in. Mostly just because I just did one. Because just I just filmed it. one. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have remembered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, awesome. anyway, patreon.com slash one of the M's. Great. <laughs> uh, that's it. Right. Great. Okay. So remember, we're back. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we do hope that you'll join us again, uh, dear viewers, uh, next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>